Hey guys, this is Pastor Marcus Kelly over here at the exciting Grace Baptist Church. Man, and I'm so grateful that you chose to join us this evening for our Bible study. I pray to be a blessing for you guys. I want to remind you a couple of things really quickly. Uh, number one, you can go over to gracebaptistfamily.com, Grace at Home. You can find resources for your for your kids. You can find resources for your uh, teenagers. We'll be posting those uh, also in our, our Grace uh, Children's Department and our Grace Youth Ministry uh, groups on Facebook. So you'll be able to find those uh, resources there. And then also you can find uh, the notes for our Bible study tonight right there at gracebaptistfamily.com. So we're so excited that you joined us again. Please go ahead and share this video so all of our church family can see it. So we're grateful that you guys joined us. So why don't we go ahead and get started with our Bible study. All right, guys, thank you again for joining us tonight for our Bible study. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter number five. Don't forget that you can go get those Bible study notes right there, gracebaptistfamily.com, Grace at Home. Print those off and you can follow along with us. Also, don't forget, hit that share button, hit that like button, so as many of our church family and friends will be able to join us for our midweek Bible study Tonight, you know, we've been kind of every for the last few weeks. We've been looking at questions that Jesus asked, and tonight we're going to look at a question that Jesus asked, and he asked this to a guy who had been sick for thirty-eight years, man. And that's I know some of you can relate to that. Jesus, look at this next slide. Jesus asked him uh, this question: Do you want to be made? Well, do you want to be made well? And so what I want you to do tonight as we go through this Bible study, I want you to think about this. Look at this scripture in the lens of some kind of ongoing problem that you've had. I mean, all of us have some kind of long term issue or problem. Everybody's got different kinds of problems. I'm not talking about short-term problems, right? You know, that are, they come and they're gone in a week or two. I'm talking about those that are ongoing. For some of you, it's ongoing medical issues, ongoing medical problems that you have, right? Maybe you've got chronic headaches, man. Maybe you're struggling with depression. Maybe you get migraines, right? Maybe you have an ongoing problem with overspending, maybe overeating. I've got my COVID-19 plus a couple. Maybe uh, you have a problem with overcommitting. Like you look back in the pattern of your life and you're always overcommitting yourself. Some of you, it might be an addiction, man, that won't go away. For some of you, it might be an ongoing challenge in relationships, maybe with somebody that you love. Maybe you just can't seem to get along with people in your family. Maybe you have problems with your parents or, or your in-laws, right? You've just got these ongoing, uh, this ongoing issue. So I want you to listen tonight as we look at the scripture through the lens of whatever ongoing just challenge, man, that you've got in your life. So we're going to be in John chapter 5. Let's look at verse number 1. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now I just want to pause right there and just say there's this uh, there's a sheep gate and there's a pool. Seems like, I don't know if I'd want my pool by my sheep gate, okay? That's it. All right, verse three. Look at verse three. It says, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, right? Blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Then whoever stepped in first 
after the stirring of the well, I skipped a part there, didn't I? After the movement of the for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water, then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. And so you can only imagine the kind of rush that people gave and what they did to get in the, imagine being sick, blind, lame, paralyzed, and you might be waiting there for weeks or days or months. I don't know. You could be waiting for a long time for this stirring of the water and the mad rush to get in there first. Let's look at verse number five. It said, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Been a long time. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, Jesus already knew. How did Jesus know? He knows everything. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Now that's almost an insulting question, isn't it? Do you want to be made well? I mean, that's like asking a, a, a man living in poverty, hey, do you want $100? Or asking a starving man, hey, you want to go to the buff and all you can eat buffet and eat? Of course, Right? This seems like an obvious question. Do you want to be made well? Duh. Yes, of course. Now look at verse number seven. Verse seven says, the sick man answered him, duh. No, I'm just kidding. That's me. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. In verse eight, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Listen, I want you to look at this next slide. I want you to see this. A moment in the presence of Jesus changed everything. This man had been in this condition for 38 years. And Jesus shows up on the scene for just a moment. And his life has changed forever. So today, tonight, I want to talk with you about problems that persist. Problems in our life that just never seem to go away. Because this dude was sick for 38 years. And a moment in the presence of Jesus changed everything for him, right? And so I want to focus on our long-term problems. And I want to think about this guy down there by that pool by the sheep gate. Now, one of the things, and I want to look at this practically, okay? Let me tell you something. This story teaches us many things. It really teaches us about the grace of God. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But there are some practical things that I want to unpack as we think about the life of this lame man that was by that pool and who had been uh, lame for 38 years. The longer that you have a problem, take some notes, write this down. Number one, you become more and more demoralized. The longer you have a problem, man, the just the more depressed you get about it. Right? The longer you have a problem, just you just become demoralized, right? You've got this ongoing problem. It won't go away. You've prayed about it and prayed about it. Nothing happened. You tried everything that you thought that might help, and you just get discouraged, right? You just get in that funk of discouragement. And you tried to work on your marriage. I mean, you really did. You did everything you thought you were supposed to do. Your marriage is still bad. And years later, right, you just don't think anything's going to help. You prayed about some physical problem, right? And you prayed about it. And you went to a doctor. And you prayed about it. And you went to another doctor. You prayed about it. And went to another doctor. And nothing got be better, man. You're demoralized. You're discouraged. Even to the point of, well, I guess this is just God's will for my life. I mean, when I think about long-term, like, physical pain, uh, the closest I've got to it is my, I ruptured a disc in my back a long time ago. 
and 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 just seemed like nothing would help. I wasn't going to do the surgery. I had, I'm going to that some other time, right? But I was living in this constant pain, and it affected me, man. It affected my attitude. It affected my outlook. It made me grouchy, right? And just made was very discouraging. The longer you have a problem, right? The more demoralizing. The more discouraging that you uh, it it can just kind of put this cloud over your life, and it's very real. Now, the next thing, the longer you have a problem, number two, you can come up with more and more excuses. You can come up with just more and more excuses. The longer a problem persists, the more excuses you tend to make for living with the problem, right? You start to make excuses because ultimately, you think it's going to make you feel better about the problem, and you can put the blame somewhere else. Think about what the guy in this story does. Right? What does he say? Look at verse number 7, John chapter 5, verse 7. He says to Jesus, he says, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. In other words, Jesus, I want to be well, but it's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. There's nothing I can do, right? That it's somebody else's fault. I don't have anybody to help me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody wants to give me a hand. And people cut in front of me. Jesus, it's not my fault, right? This guy's coming up with more and more excuses. Now, let's be honest. I'm just, I put this in my notes. Let's just, there might have been a way for this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just think if I'm there every day and I'm lame and I believe this is going to help me, Right? I mean, like, camp out closer to the water. Scooch over to the egg. To the edge. Make the shape of an egg. Well, fall in. I don't know. Do whatever you got to do, right? But as time went on and he became demoralized and he became discouraged, right? He began to make excuses. He began to make excuses. He's just thinking somehow, some way, you know, I wish I could get there, but I can't because nobody cares. So I guess it's just always going to be this way. I mean, think again, think about marriage. My marriage, this is never going to be that good, so why really bother, right? I went to see a doctor, so I tried, so I guess I've got to live with it, right? I, I don't have a college degree, so I'm never going to get a good job, so I shouldn't even try to get a good job, right? I even tried to go in church. I went to church two weeks in a row, and everything in my life didn't get better, so I just gave up. I guess this is just how my life is going to be. I've tried everything, but nothing seems to be getting better. The longer a problem hangs around, the more discouraged and demoralized you get, and also the more excuses that you make. But number three, what happens is you begin to compensate more and more, more and more. You compensate for the problem, right? In fact, if I could just say that, and I, like for instance, when I hurt my back, right? There's some things you can do, there's some things you can't do, so you begin to compensate. Those of you, maybe you've broken a hand, an arm, you've had an injury, right? You never could imagine getting dressed with just your left hand, but you compensate, you figure it out, and you work it out. Well, I don't mean in a positive sense, I mean in a negative sense, because if I could just say it directly, some of you you're excelling at compensating for a very real issue in your life, right? Some of you, you're highly functioning alcoholics. You're a highly functioning alcoholic. Mama's got to have her wine, doesn't she? You're a highly functioning alcoholic. In other words, I mean, it's not, you know, it's stressing out your family and your kids are kind of affected by it, but you go to work every day, man, and nobody knows. Right? Or, or they don't think it's as bad as it really is. You're getting the job done for now. You're a highly functioning alcoholic. But we all know that that doesn't last. 
that there's always a crash at the end of that fall. Some of you, you've compensated and you've learned how to exist in a dead marriage, right? You've just kind of given up. You don't like it, but you've made your excuses. You accept it, right? You In your marriage, you have no common vision. There's no intimacy. There's no spiritual life. Not, and you're not passing down anything significant or meaningful to your children. It's just like a business relationship, right? Right? You're like maybe You're just like, I'm too tired to find somebody else, so I'll just stay with this one. And you're not doing anything in the marriage that you have. You don't really like it, but you've just compensated it. So you're managing it instead of looking for, in that marriage relationship, what God has for you. Some of you compensate for a pornography problem, right? You've got a problem with pornography, but because you've not been caught, you don't think there's a problem. But you're just compensating more and more. You cannot change until you recognize that there's a problem. You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. The bottom line is Jesus asked this guy, he said, hey, do you want to be made well? Do you really want to be made well? Why would he ask him that? It may be because Jesus knew everything and Jesus knew, right? You can't help. Have you ever tried to help somebody that needed help, but they didn't see that they needed help? You can only help somebody that wants help. In fact, sometimes people ask, hey, what is the greatest obstacle? What is the greatest challenge to real faith? Or what is the greatest? And you may say, well, doubt. Doubt is the greatest obstacle to real faith. Or fear is the greatest obstacle to real faith. And worry is the greatest obstacle to real faith. And, and those are all really good answers. But sometimes, hey, write this down. Look at this next slide. The routine can be the biggest obstacle to faith. Just the routine, the familiar, the everyday, those things you've been making excuses for, those things that you've been compensating for, those things that the routine are really keeping you from experiencing real faith in God. Jesus, you don't understand. I can't ever get anybody to help me. I can't make it in the water. So it's just, it is what it is, right? And so I've got my resume of excuses. So you start to, look at this next slide. You start to accept what is rather than believing what could be. You just accept it is what it is rather than believing God for what it could be. I'm just an average student, so I'm never going to do good in school, right? We've always struggled financially, so we're always going to struggle financially, right? You don't understand. Listen, everybody in my family, we're just overweight, so there's no reason, right? We're just going to be over. It's just how I was made, right? I, you don't understand. I've tried to overcome addiction. It just hasn't worked out. So what it is is what it is. It's never going to be anything better than this. Here's the bottom line. Look at this next slide. Until your desire becomes bigger than your disability, you will not start to find healing. Until your desire for something better is larger than your disability, you're not going to be on the path to healing, to things getting better. Do you want to be made well? Really? Do you want to? Because honestly, some of us, man, we're not where God wants us to be. And we've simply gotten used to where we are, even though it's not where we're supposed to be. Some of us have gotten comfortable in the pain. Some of us have gotten comfortable in the pain. And I believe that Jesus would ask us just like he asked that man. Look at this next slide. Do you really want to change? Do you really want to change? Are you giving it lip service? Do you really want to get out of debt? Because, listen, uh, some of you, uh, shopping is your drug of choice. 
Do you really want to overcome addiction that's held you hostage for years? Do you really want to find healing in your relationships? Do you really want to be made well? You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. You can't change what you're willing to tolerate. People struggle with addiction almost all their lives. In my neighborhood growing up, man, it wasn't unusual for 12 and 13-year-olds to be drinking beer. And I think about some of those 12 and 13-year-olds who started out here. Now they're in their 40s and they're, they're still addicted to substances, to drugs and things like that. Man, that's almost 30 years of substance abuse and addiction. And you just wonder, when is enough enough? 30 years of bondage. But the good news is, listen, when, when, uh, it doesn't matter if it's been three months, 30 years, 60 years. A moment in the presence of Jesus can change everything. A moment in the presence of Jesus can change all of that. And here's what this guy in our story, he says, I can't do it. Right, Jesus, I don't have anybody to help me. I can't do it on my own. And Jesus looks at this guy and he says, look at verse number eight. John chapter five, verse eight. He says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. Jesus heals this guy supernaturally. The guy didn't earn it. The guy didn't deserve it. He didn't have it coming. Jesus did it. And really, the guy didn't even ask for it. Jesus did for him what he didn't even ask Jesus to do. And that's, one of the, that's like one reason out of the million reasons why you need to draw closer to Christ. That's just another out of the millions of reasons why you should be leaning in to the presence of Jesus in your life. Get to know the Son of God for real, for real. Press in, get close, because Jesus will do things for you, man, that uh, you don't, didn't even ask him to do. Jesus will do things in your life that you haven't even asked him to do. He'll be, bring healing where you didn't even know there was a hurt. He'll uh, change your thought processes and, and ways that you didn't even understand. You didn't even understand how dysfunctional it was until he brought you out of that. He'll bring forgiveness and healing in your heart and areas where you didn't even know you were sick. When you get close to Jesus, he'll do things for you that you didn't even ask him to do. Notice again, the guy didn't deserve it. The, uh, the guy didn't earn it. Jesus did not heal this man because this man was good. Look at this next slide. Jesus healed this man uh, uh, because Jesus was good. Jesus healed this man because Jesus is just that good, man. That's his grace. We can't earn it. We're not good enough for it. We can't give our way for it. We can't work our way into the grace of God. He gives us blessing untold because of his goodness, because of his grace, and for his glory. Jesus is just that good, man. He healed this guy. Now, another thing that I really want you to notice is, look at this next slide. The healing didn't come in the way the man thought it would. This man didn't get healed the way he thought he would. I, I, honestly, I don't think this man really believed he was ever going to be healed, but he thought it was going to come through the water. He thought the water was going to get stirred up. I'll, maybe someday I'll accidentally fall in first and I'll be healed. He thought healing was coming through the water. See, some of you, you've been searching for healing in that relationship and with that addiction, with that issue, with whatever that long-term problem is. You've been looking for healing in that problem, but you, you believe that it can only come from one place, from the water, from the whatever, from the this, from the that. You think that the answer is only in this one place. It may come through living water, through Jesus who doesn't always do things in the way that you think he should. I love, I love uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and C.S. Lewis, right? Um, 
And when they were referring to uh, Aslan, the lion, which represents Christ in the story, right? And they asked about Aslan. They say, is he dangerous or, or whatever? And they, and they said, oh, he's, he's not a tame lion, but he is good. Right? He's not, he's not a tame lion, but he is good. Listen, Jesus is good, but you're not going to tame him. He's going to do things sometimes in ways that you couldn't even imagine or even see coming or even expect. God may bring you a blessing, a healing, a transformation, a solution to your problem in some way that you couldn't even see coming. That's the power of our good God. He's a good God, and he's not tamed by you. Now look at John chapter 5, verse number 8. Jesus says to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. In other words, write this down. Write this down. No more excuses. No more excuses. The time for excuses are gone. Oh, Jesus, I don't have anybody to help me to the water. Oh, and when I try to get in the water, somebody beats me first. No more excuses. Jesus says, get up and walk. In other words, Jesus said, I just don't want to hear any more of your excuses. I want to see your faith. Don't tell me what you can't do. I want to see what you can do, right? I'm not worried about what you're able to do. I want you to trust me by faith. Stand up and walk. Jesus says, I will do for you what you cannot do, but you've got to do what you can do. Jesus is going to heal this guy, but he wants this guy to operate by faith. And we've looked at this verse a lot lately. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number six says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith pleases God. Now that's how we, our relationship with God moves and operates by faith. Now, I don't know what it'll look like for you, Right? What does it mean for you to stand up and take up your mat, take up your bed and walk? Maybe you need to stand up and throw away those cigarettes. Maybe you need to stand up and pour out that bottle. Maybe you need to stand out and throw away those drugs. Stand up and throw away those drugs. Uh, whatever you need to do. Maybe you need to decide to change a way of thinking, man. A mindset that's got you trapped and do it by faith. Stop believing the lies of the devil and start trusting your good God, right? Stop believing that this is the way that it has to be. This is the way that it's always been. So this is the way that it's always going to be. That's a lie of the devil. Jesus is saying, do you want to be made well? Do you trust me? Do you want to overcome that addiction that you've been struggling with for years? Do you want to finally be free of worry and anxiety and fear that keeps you up every night? Do you want to be free of that angry, bitter spirit that's ruined every relationship that you've ever been in? Do you want to overcome your inability to trust anybody, right? So that you can begin to trust and have intimacy and like real heart-to-heart -heart relationships? Do you want to be made well? No more excuses. Stand up. Take your mat. And walk, it takes faith to do what only you can do so that God can do what only he can do. And so that you can let go of the familiar patterns where you've become discouraged and you're making excuses and you're absolutely, you've adapted your life around something that you need to have victory over. It takes faith to do what only you can do. It takes faith to allow God to do what only he can do. And to let those patterns go that are holding you back. And you can do it by faith. Let's pray, guys. Father God, thank you for your word and the victory that we can have. 
God, I know that you move and you work in our lives in mysterious ways, but Lord, we're asking for your peace, for your strength, and for your direction. God, that we would trust you. God, that we will not make excuses for things that are in our life. God, that you have called us away from. Lord, give us liberty and freedom in your grace and in your mercy. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. All right, guys, thank you again for joining us for our Bible study tonight. I pray that it'll be a blessing for you. Don't forget, gracebaptistfamily.com for those resources and uh, for your students and your kiddos. Also, please, again, share this video uh, so that all of our church family can see it. But I want you to know that we're praying for you. If there's anything that we can be praying for you about, you can leave us a comment here. You can send us a direct message. Or if you've got an unspoken prayer request, right, just uh, type in prayer right there in the comments. But I just want you to know, man, we're praying for you. We miss you. And I want you to come and join us this Sunday for our drive-in service at Grace Baptist. We're going to have two of them, 8.30 and 10.30. And we're going to look forward to an exciting, awesome time as we worship the Lord together. But I hope you guys have an awesome rest of the week. God bless you.